Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. He is hard to believe. Here's Jordan. What's going on, guys? Welcome to Dime Dropper, our 24-minute recaps, episode 20. Made it to 20 of them now. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast. Follow us on Spotify, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and of course, to follow us on social media at Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at Dime Dropper Pod. So tonight's lineup, we had a nice national, nationally televised matchup between the Lakers and the Bucks. And then we had the Warriors and the Knicks. I did not go with the Zion ESPN shoved down my throat, TNT shoved down my throat propaganda and watched the Dubs instead, a dime dropper team against the Knicks. And then I did catch up with the Suns, Hawks, and Celtics last night. So I'll briefly go over them before we get to the live chat at around minute 24, maybe 18 tonight. So let's start with the Lakers who were playing against the Bucks, and I actually had a lot of fun watching this game. You could really tell from the first quarter that Giannis was playing with a fire. And Giannis always does play with fire. You're, you know what you're going to get in terms of the intensity and the fight that he plays with. And in the first quarter, he was aggressive. He was going at AD. Had a, I think it was nine points in the first quarter. But AD was going at him, too, in the first quarter. You know, going at him, a little jump hook, uh, getting to the basket. And somebody who was just great from the beginning of the game for the Lakers was KCP. Knocking down threes, especially in the corner. You know, whenever he shoots a corner three, as we talked about, you think it's going in. KCP was money all night long. 7 of 10 from three. And guess what? Those are all the shots that he shot. 7 of 10 from three. And that's what he's out there for. To play there, to do that and play good defense. He had 23 points. But Drew Holiday was causing a lot of problems for the Lakers. It was a lot of individually bad defense in the first quarter for the Lakers. You know, guys were just getting beat. Kuzma was flopping a bit. LeBron got beat off the dribble. Holiday is a strong fucking guard, guys. Like, that dude can guard in the post pretty well for a guard. Very well for a guard. And then, you know, physically he can post up on guards offensively. And he honestly, like, posts forwards up sometimes too, that dude. And he was causing problems. Bucks were up by four after one. But then the Lakers started getting into their game. And a lot of it was doing a better job on Giannis. You know, sending two at him. And Giannis is just... We talked about it, guys. He's just not very skilled, man. And his numbers are very empty against these bad teams. They're effective against those bad teams that can't stop him. But he's so predictable. You know, honestly, the Lakers were getting robbed a bit. Even though they got some generous calls in the beginning of the game. As the game went on, they got robbed a bit on some potential charges. You know, Montrader, he's always been one of the best in the league at drawing charges. And honestly, I thought he had a pretty solid defensive game tonight off the bench. And that was one thing that was pretty apparent was the Lakers bench was just better than the Bucks bench. And they also staggered LeBron and AD. So... You know, you got a guy like Montrader, he can score, he can, you know, they were putting some little guys on him late in the game, like in the fourth quarter, Pat Connaughton and these guys, and Montrader feasts on those kind of guys. He actually knows how to use his size. He has some skill. And, you know, you got Caruso who plays good D off the bench. Markeith Morris, he wasn't hitting his threes. That was, you know, a little uh, 
but he only played 10 minutes, so it wasn't really that much of a factor. I thought Kuz, Kuz was a little bit rushing in tunnel vision on offense, but defensively he did a lot of good things. He got a couple off, he got an offensive rebound, I remember, that led to a LeBron three. This was in the second half. Made some good defensive plays. So he wasn't all that bad. You know, Kuz has become a guy that's, honestly, even though he's a primarily good as a scorer, he started to become a guy that can affect the game in other ways as well. And LeBron was very aggressive in this one, I thought, from the beginning. And once again, his three ball was on point as it's been basically all season. And, you know, with great players like LeBron, all-time greats, best players in the league at this stage. You know, he has a bad game against Golden State. I hated the excuses, by the way. I just need to say, once again, when I call out Paul George, when I call out LeBron, I said, who's the GOAT? Man's so full of excuses. That's another reason why I can't stand it sometimes. However, he bounced back like a great player does. And as the game went on, the Lakers' defense started to frustrate the Bucks, And the Bucks, they don't have a very good second unit. They don't anymore. You know, Pat Connaughton's a good player. But DJ Augustine, Bryn Forbes, you know, these guys don't really do, do any. They don't control the second unit. It's not George Hill. You know, that, those are big losses. And, you know, you got DiVincenzo, who was one of their best bench players last year, starting because Wes Matthews on the Lakers. And he was okay tonight, you know, made some threes. Um, two of three from three. The Lakers, you know, I think the reason they won the game, besides LeBron just being fantastic, you know, finding his guys, but mostly being in attack mode and making some tough shots. You know, you saw that turnaround over the right shoulder. You saw three balls. I mean, LeBron was six of ten from three. Some of them were really tough shots. And as the game went on, the Lakers started really containing Giannis. After that first quarter, he just didn't really score too much. You know, he made a push at the end. And the Bucks made a push at the end. But somebody who I thought was pretty quiet tonight for the Bucks was Chris Middleton. I just thought that it, this was the worst game I'd seen from him so far this season. He had 20 points. He was 6 of 15. But he just didn't seem like he played with that same assertiveness. Like, he didn't scare me at all. And usually this season when I watched him play, he's been so good. And he just didn't really... It was a lot of Giannis. And once again, guys, like Giannis just at the top, driving full head of steam. Like, you know, it's just not that... Hype. It was this was a very neck to neck game. I thought, you know, something I've noticed, guys. Let's talk about Anthony Davis for a second. He was okay. He made some good passes at the end when the when the Bucks were making their run. He made some nice extra swings to like Caruso and I think it was maybe LeBron. I don't know. I'm not even sure. By the way, that shot LeBron hit to kind of ice the game from deep against Lopez. That was one of the. I was saying that was one of the toughest shots I've ever hit. Seen him hit. I was probably exaggerating a bit, but for LeBron, like he's not necessarily the tough shot maker in terms of from the from jumpers you know only recently the last couple years he's really developed that you know ability to hit contested threes with some sort of regularity even though that's still not the shot of choice for Braun you know and that was a tough shot to beat the buzzer and essentially seal the game but I will say just yeah LeBron was just great I just thought he was doing his thing moving pretty well without the ball too LeBron's become a better cutter as the years have gone on as well but AD guys let's go back to AD Missing a lot of easy shots, you know, open mid-ranges he usually hits. But, like, once again, it just seems like he's chilling. Like, his defense as well has not been on par with what it was last season. Like, it seemed like last season he was, like, there was ferocity about him. Like, low, like just kind of, like, ready to pounce at all moments. And you didn't even want to get the ball close to Anthony Davis. You didn't want to get Anthony Davis involved in your pick and rolls. You didn't want to get Anthony Davis involved in the play, period. Whereas this year, I've seen him get scored on and been at fault for more points than, like, all of last season, it feels like. Anthony Davis, like, I feel him. He wants to cruise in the regular season and make a—I thought he was going to try to grab the reins of this team. But 36-year-old LeBron James is still playing better than him. LeBron 
was awesome tonight. 13 of 25 from the field, 6 of 10 from 3, 34 points. He was just having a great night shooting the basketball from the outside. And I thought Schroeder and Gasol weren't that great, but I thought other guys stepped up for them. Uh, Giannis just, he's, he's the problem, guys. I'm telling you, you know, he's just that, he's not that dude to me. 25 points, 9 turnovers, and he fouled out. Like, are you are you kidding me? You know, the Lakers are just a better team. Bucks 9-6, and six. Lakers 8-0 and oh away from home, 12-4. and four. I mean, you got to be happy with that. That's a great bounce back win for the Lakers. And, you know, they do what a championship team does. And that's every single time they're faced with some adversity. Or not adversity, I should say. Um, anytime they're faced with some sort of, you know, they lose a game, they have a bad game, they come back with what a championship team does. And that is, you know, make a statement and come back and restore order. So let's move on to the next game. The Knicks and the Warriors. I missed my first Warriors game of the season last night against the Spurs. I'm sorry. There were so many games. I just couldn't get to it. Um, so let's get to the Warriors playing the Knicks tonight. And the Knicks come in as the best defensive team in the league, opposing field goals uh, percentage and opposing points per game. And we talked about this when we talked about the Knicks-Hawks game. Tom Thibodeau's done a number with this Knicks defensive team. And we talked about it in the New York State of Mind episode with Lucas when he came on. Episode 5 of Dime Dropper. Go check that out. It's on YouTube and Spotify if you haven't. But he talked at length about Tom Thibodeau and the effect that he could possibly have on the Knicks. And it's really paid off. This Knicks team has become a mucky, slow the game down, old school sort of team. The thing about it is, they and they have to be because their offense is really just limited. They're just not very good offensively. They don't have much talent. I mean, their best player is Julius Randle. But funny enough, this year, that doesn't even sound like much of a diss because the way he's been playing, like maybe Julius Randle's just really turned the corner. Like maybe this is a breakout season for him. I mean, let me look at his numbers real quick. Julius Randle, 23-11-6. Yeah, that's breakout. Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry. 23-11-6 for Julius. That's breakout style. That's Those are his season numbers. Tonight, this game, by the way, was called so terribly. Just classic NDA, no defense association of the highest order. Just terrible. Like, every single thing was a foul from the first quarter. And the Warriors still did a good job, and it's just amazing watching them run their offense through Draymond and Steph. Just give it to Draymond, whether it's the low post or Draymond, or mid post, I should say. And you know, it's funny because Draymond's got his back turned to the basket and you know he's not going to shoot or even look to score and everyone just moves around him. It's just been the Warriors' way since we've seen for years. But the Knicks, you know, they put pressure and you got to, I, I was very impressed with someone that, uh, you know, uh, that I've heard, I've seen some Knicks fans get on and my boy Lucas been getting on him sometimes, but Alfred Payton, he was putting a lot of pressure on Steph, like picking him up right at half court, sometimes full court, getting right into him. And really making him, you know, put some pressure on him. But the funny part is Steph just moves so well without the ball. And he was even setting some great screens himself and getting great looks on that right wing. He was getting the ball to the basket. But the Warriors couldn't stop the Knicks. And Randall was creating a lot of offense for them in terms of, like, he's kind of in... He does similar things to Blake Griffin when he was with the Clippers. Or, like, even now when Blake just gets the rebound, he kind of runs the offense. He can do that. And Julius, that used to be a problem with having tunnel vision, but he's really gotten a better jumper. And some decent moves. And I like how he goes bully ball sometimes as well. He's always been, you know, ready to fight. But most players are just not physical as in this NBA. Um, and aren't ready for that kind of physicality. But anyway, so back to the Knicks. Uh, Reggie Bullock 
Got former Clipper Reggie Bullock got off to some to, got off to a really good start hitting threes, and then R.J. Barrett would have a game. It was his career high. Some really he started out hitting some jumpers, a three uh, on the right wing. I remember in the first quarter, but as the game went on, he just started hitting some other shots, floaters, and he would come off the curl. And you know he's not shooting off the curl; he's going to the basket, attacking, and he has a really nice touch with that left hand around the basket, high off the glass, putting some nice English on it. But the Warriors, as the game went on in that first, second quarter, they started getting back into it. Steph started getting some looks. But they just couldn't guard without fouling. However, in the second quarter, the Knicks couldn't guard without fouling either. And you know somebody who I think is one of the best six men in the league is Eric Paschal. Eric Paschal is like, I saw someone say this on Twitter, and I actually kind of agree with it. He's like a slightly smaller Montrez, but with with, uh, more skill, like guard-based game. Not as much the post game, but he still can bruise. And he, he's always ready to dunk. He doesn't lay the ball up. And I really like Pascal's uh, instant buckets off the bench for the Warriors. You know, but the, but the Warriors just aren't a very deep team. And that kind of hurt them. I think the Knicks bench is honestly better. Quickly, you know, Kevin Knox even tonight wasn't awful at all, in my opinion. Nah, never mind. He was, he was pretty quiet. But it seemed like he was all right when he played. But I don't know. Alec Burks also, actually, he came off the Knicks bench. He was very solid. He was attacking. That's the thing about the Knicks. They can't shoot the ball, and every team knows this. They know they can't shoot the ball. They know they're not going to take 33s. And, but the, you know what they do is they're going to attack you and try to get to the basket on pick and rolls and stuff. So if you're not ready for that kind of, you know, attacking to your guards, like guarding the ball, guarding your guards, or just, you know, on-ball pressure, and they're going to test you. And Steph Curry was poor defensively. You know, not only was he fouling, he was out of position, getting beat off the ball. Steph Curry's never been known for his defense. And, that, you know, you got to have to give Curry a pass in ways because he's so he works so hard on offense without the ball and moves so much that it's like, you know, he is going to be a step behind sometimes on D. And Alec Burks was one of those guys for the Knicks that was really getting into the pick and roll, attacking, getting into the seams, getting into the paint. 11 points, 5 boards. But... Overall, the game really turned at the end of the second quarter when, and by the way, Wiggins was playing well as well. Can't leave him out. Draymond got a second technical. It looked like, I mean, on the replay, he was just screaming. I can't necessarily tell if he was screaming at the ref or Wiseman. He claims he was screaming at Wiseman, but it looked like he was kind of screaming at the ref and tried to paint it like he was screaming at Wiseman. Regardless, it was such a soft technical. And by the way, I saw some soft shit tonight in the Laker game too, a flagrant. And even our own uh, LA Spectrum Sportsnet commentator, color analyst, Stu Lance, one of the best in the game, was fuming at the fact that they called a flagrant on Giannis when he did his classic Eurostep elbow into someone. And I love that about Stu because he's so objective, especially with Billy Mack, who's extremely biased. And, you know, the passion for just he wants the best outcome for basketball to happen. And that's not this soft shit. And, and he, and they said, Billy Mack was trying to say, well, this era. And he's like, I don't give a, he was pretty much saying, I don't give a damn about the era. And that's how I feel about the Draymond technical. That was BS. Like you serious? Like you you ruined the game. The officials just kind of ruined that game. Like the Knicks won it fair and square. I think they deserve to win from the beginning, but the officials really ruined that game. Like they just, it was an ugly game to watch. It wasn't because the Knicks mucked it up either. It was literally just a ton of fouls. And, 
The Warriors slowly collapsed. You could see how hard it was for them to create shots without Draymond. They don't have that same level of facilitator. Pascal was trying. You know, Curry still got some looks, and he was trying Curry. You know, 9 of 19, 5 of 14 from 3. I thought the Knicks did a really good job of keeping the Warriors out of the paint. And Mitchell Robinson's an elite rim protector in this league, and he's very active on defense. I thought he had a really good game, especially rolling to the basket. And R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle did a good job of finding him on those rolls. Mitchell Robinson, 8 of 11 from the field, 18 points, 8 boards, two blocks and Alfred Payton 15 points five assists five of 11 he was plus 15 the Warriors slowly collapsed and just couldn't guard without fouling I thought Kent Bazemore pretty trash in my opinion he's just pretty broke I know he plays solid defense but his offense is just eh doesn't really offer much I don't think Wanamaker was very good he was one of six with four points Pascal's really the only consistent bench player on this team because Damian Lee and, you know, they played Jordan Poole. I did not like what I saw from him. They're very hit or miss. If they're not hitting threes, eh. Defensively, they're sometimes good, sometimes eh. They're all right. They're okay. You know, this team really runs on Draymond. Kelly Oubre, again, has just been a complete disappointment. Like, he's just kind of like a real burden at this point in terms of his offense. 2 of 11, 0 of 4 from 3, 7 points. It's getting really tiresome if you're a Warriors fan. Wiggins was good, 6 of 13, but the team runs on, on Draymond, honestly. Like, the defensive confidence, the unity, the communication on defense is so night and day. With Draymond, it without Draymond, it feels like Oubre, Wiggins, Curry, Wiseman are being left on islands defensively. With Draymond, it feels like it's a whole team connected on defense. And that's the effect of Draymond. And and the Knicks, you know, Randall did a good job, even though he didn't have the best shooting night. And the Warriors did a good job of trying to get the ball out of his hands. I mean, look at his stat line. 16 points, 17 rebounds, 9 assists. It's time to, you know, the Knicks are 8-8. Eight and eight. Maybe we gotta start taking them a bit seriously. Are they a playoff con- a playoff or playing contender? I mean, maybe. And is Julius Randle an all-star contender? At this point, it's looking like if it was if we had the all-star game today, he'd be there. And you know, I think if this team gets into the plan, or if get if they get into a top eight spot, Tom Thibodeau should win coach of the year without a doubt. And even with this Dolan trash, and even though this team is so weirdly constructed, they play with heart and they play with energy and they play good defense. And even in 2021, good defensive teams can still win. A tough loss for the Warriors. Draymond Green unfairly suspended. Why am I not that mad? Because it's the fucking NDA, and I've come to notice. And once again, we talked about is the NBA getting better? This shit is soft as Charmin. We just talk about the games because we love basketball. Great win for the Knickerbockers. Let's go to another game. I watched the Pistons and the Hawks. The Hawks were without DeAndre Hunter, so you know that's going to be a big loss. They started Solomon Hill instead. They were also without Cam Reddish. And they started off, eh. John Collins and Capella started off well. Trey Young, not so well. And Jeremy Grant was going to work. And you know, actually, for the first time I can say this this season, and I've watched a couple of their games, you know who I was actually happy watching? Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin was actually getting the ball, bullying John Collins a bit, had two jump hooks, brought me back to the Clipper games. I really enjoyed it. And the Pistons went up. Because, as I said, this team runs on Trey Young. And when Trey Young's not hidden, the Hawks don't go. And the bench without Bogdanovich, without Gallinari who's been out, you know, regular season Rondo. Nobody on the bench for the Hawks in this game got more than 17 minutes. And eh, I don't know if I like that from the coach, honestly. I think Rondo should be getting a little more just to preserve a bit. But honestly, you know, you play to win the game. Once again, actually, I can't be too hypocritical because I always say these guys don't play enough minutes sometimes. These guys are young. Never mind I said that. 
<laughs> because they got to make the, they got to take all these games seriously. You know, at the end of the day, for me, for the Hawks, it's really going to come down to winning the games you're supposed to win. So as the game went on, the Hawks were down like 15 points. They just they couldn't match. You know, just they didn't have the offense. Trey Young wasn't hitting. They were down 15 points with six minutes to go, and then the Pistons just had the worst game management you could imagine, taking terribly rushed threes, fouling so much constantly so that stops the clock that gets the hawks a chance to get back in the game and not only doing that you know now you you fast forward a bit the hawks hitting some shots it's a five point game with a minute left and trey young gets fouled you know then the pistons turn the ball over this and that comes down to the hawks are down two. trey young gets into the paint blows by someone nice pass to capella and i gotta give trey young a lot of credit he turned it up in the second half he hit a deep three i think it was when the game went to overtime, because John Collins had a huge block at the end of regulation from behind on Jeremy Grant, and the Hawks pulled away in overtime, and that was great. John Collins was a beast. Clint Capella was a beast. They completely stole this game. I mean, you, if you're the Pistons, you had a 15-point lead with six minutes to go, and, man, you are trash for that. Like That's some trash right there. Trey Young, though, was really good. He was getting into the paint, getting to the line, getting in the lane, not settling, and that's what you like to see from Trey Young. And... Yeah, the, the Hawks completely stole this game. Blake Griffin, 17 points, 5 of 10, 2 of 4 from 3. Jeremy Grant was awesome again, 32 points, 12 of 22, 6 boards, 5 assists. But when the Pistons went, one, another, thing that, another thing that contributed to this was when Mason Plumlee went out, they had no real rim protection, the Pistons. You know, Isaiah Stewart is an undersized center, and Jalil Okafor, you know, he didn't really get that many minutes, right? He only got nine minutes so the Hawks were attacking the basket a lot more and, and getting easier shots Clint Capella was just unbelievable he had 12 offensive rebounds alone 27 points and 26 rebounds it may be time to say that Capella may slowly start creeping into that who's been the second best player for the Hawks this season honestly I'd still say Trey by an edge has been the best player because you know he still has to shoulder that burden but he can still be the reason they lose more often than not sometimes are about the same, I should say. I mean, the record seven and seven. They got that win. It was huge, big time. And as I said, it's really going to come down to taking care of business against these teams they're supposed to beat. They really dodged the bullet on that one. Just shows no lead is safe in today's NBA or ever in the NBA, but especially not in today's NBA with the three ball being so prevalent. 38 and 10 at the end for Trey Young. 10 assists, 11 of 26, three of five from three, five threes, and 21 twos from Trey Young. I like it. 13 of 19 from the foul line. Six missed free throws is very weird for Trey. But I don't think that's going to happen more often than not. If he gets to the line 19 times, he's going to make at least 15 more often than not. And 38 points in a win. And that's without those other guys. DeAndre Hunter. who that He helps on defense as well. Cam Reddish. So, good win for the Hawks in the end. 7-7. Seven and seven, Move on to the next. I didn't get to see the whole Suns-Rockets game. I tuned in for glimpses. The one thing I can say was the best was DeAndre Ayton. After that Memphis game that we talked about, even though it was a terrible loss for the Suns, he seemed to have, maybe he's turned the corner this season. I saw a lot more aggression. I saw more dunks. I saw a ferocious putback dunk in this game against the Rockets. Five blocks protecting the rim with aggression. 26 points and 17 rebounds. Had to be his best game of the season. That was, Yeah, had to be his best game of the season. That was the game high for anyone on either team. And the Suns also have that kind of good team mentality. And that comes from Chris Paul. You lose a game, well, you come back next game. We're not trying to lose again. 
and they were much sharper defensively the whole game. Devin Booker was more aggressive. Started out the first quarter with some buckets, which I like. I like when D-Book comes out in the first aggressive. 24 points in the end for him, 10 of 18. CP3 didn't shoot too much, but made the shots he hit for the most part. 4 of 9, 13 points. Good defense from McHale. I still don't love Cam Johnson starting. I like it better with uh, Crowder starting, but a good win taking care of business against a weak Rockets team who's dropped to four and nine. The Suns now eight and five. And that's all we have for tonight. Now we go to the live chat. Let me know what you thought of this episode. Let me know what you think. Are you agreeing with what I'm saying? Disagreeing? 24 minutes right on the dot. Shout out Bean. I don't even know the NBA schedule tomorrow, but I think the Clippers are playing, so we should be back tomorrow. Peace.